Welcome, Futzers and Bubs, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the... Wait, 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 wait. What? what? What's going on? Wait. Before we get into this X-Men episode, uh, talking about issues and such, uh, we're going to have to do something just a little bit out of order, Adam. Oh, my. Exactly. Normally, we do our letters section before the classic X-Men version, but this letter was so important that it couldn't wait, that it had to be read now, right? It couldn't it couldn't wait, right? There's just too much good information in this email. and uh, That makes sense, because I've got my drink ready. <laughs> yes, it's drink-related. It's going to be a, maybe a new segment on the show. See what silly things you can put inside of Adam and Jeremy <laughs> under the guise of... A fastball special, but this actually comes from Peter Watson, and uh, he calls himself a bit of a mixologist, uh, so he uh, has put quite a deal of thought into this particular drink. He has, in fact. So he, he uh, his whole goal in creating this drink was to capture the essence of what is a fastball special, which is a big metallic Russian guy hurling a very small but... Uh, a scrappy Canadian guy, so his drink reflects that. Also quite metallic. Yes, yes. Um, and so just for a little bit of background, the way we came up with our last drink was uh, in part uh, some of our idea, but mostly fleshed out by Michelle Mohan, I think was her name. That was her name. And it was based upon the idea, because like, I don't really, I like, I, I like beer and I like Captain and Coke. So like, you get beyond that as far as drinks, and I... I got no idea. So the only thing I could come up, because I had freshly watched uh, The Big Lebowski, was a white Russian, obviously. So in name, it would reflect Colossus, and then find any Canadian liquor and throw that into the glass, and that's got to be uh, a fastball special, right? right? We essentially substituted a white Russian for a Canadian Russian. Exactly. You know, you know it's kind of... It works. It works, but this this is uh this is more in depth. Way more in depth. So, to start off with, and we'll we'll post this uh, somewhere. Facebook probably will post it. No, but, we won't. Well, maybe <laughs> we'll. you'll have to refer back to this episode if you want to see it. So uh, we start with a highball glass with ice, preferably crushed. I did not use crushed ice because I didn't have any. Yeah, same here. He would be making like the $7 drink, and we're probably making closer to the $3 bar special drink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, highball glass because it is a fastball special after all, and uh, since it's akin to Colossus's metallic skin, it should be cold. I was also thinking, uh, going into a little detail, that the ice also kind of represents Wolverine's metallic skeleton. Ah, sure, why not? So then we get to the booze part, which uh, he calls for two shots of vodka and uh, one shot of whiskey. Canadian. Canadian club. Yes. And two shots of vodka because that's the, the Russian portion of the drink. And uh, it's Colossus is bigger than Wolverine, therefore it has to have more uh, more vodka. Plus he says it should be a strong, powerful drink, so three shots is appropriate. And man, it is a strong drink. <laughs> oh boy. Two shots of vodka and uh, one shot of whiskey in a, in a very small glass. 
Well, a highball can be a number of glasses. I was doing some, oh my God, this is going to be all booze. I know. I Googled <laughs> it. I Googled highball as well, and it said it could be somewhere between 8 to 12 ounces. Right. Uh, all right. So now here goes my whiskey. So I'm using Sky Vodka. So that's that's the good stuff, right? Uh, oh yeah, my me. God. I was trying to find a legitimately Russian vodka, but I don't I don't know anything yeah. about vodka. So I just got something that was small, and I don't know. Well, vodka, you know, just due to its very nature, is Russian. I think. Well, right. It's a Russian drink, but I wanted to. I wanted one that was like brewed in Russia or however filtered in russia whatever all right and then to top it Bottled off in russia <laughs> to top it off i have caffeine coca-cola caffeine free coca-cola because i don't want to be up all night he says fill to the brim with cola and the drink should have a metallic taste to represent both peter's skin and logan's adamantium skeleton and claws and he suggests pepsi max but i also used caffeine free pepsi <laughs> you get the same problem you don't want to be up all night <laughs> Um, and I also, I, I thought Coke is actually more metallic tasting, but you know, to each his own. I'm a little frightened by this drink. I got to be honest. <laughs> it's pretty intense. All right, here we go. Uh, so to Peter Watson, he also adds one variation to it in which you could make this exact same drink, but then drizzle a little bit of maple syrup on the top to, uh, represent Wolverine's claws, which would then be called a fastball special with claws popped. So here we go. I've got my glass of toxic booze. <laughs> Down the hatch. That's yeah, that's not bad. It is not bad at all. Um, you could only probably have one of these in an evening. I'm on my second. <laughs> Great. Adam's gonna be drooling <laughs> by the time we get to classic <laughs> X Men. But yeah, I guess. The vodka not having so much flavor, it's mostly just whatever's left over by the whiskey and then the Coke, or the cola, rather. It actually tastes very similar to our previous drink, but just stronger. <laughs> like yeah. alcohol, like more alcoholic content. It's less sweet. Yes, that is true. Uh, I guess there is more sugar in Kahlua than there is in Pepsi, mm -hmm. which is surprising. I thought there was more Pepsi in any like more sugar and Pepsi than than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you have it. Actually, I, I got to be honest, it's not bad, but it's certainly a sipper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking we'll rename Michelle Mohan's drink The Gentleman Bub. The Gentleman Bub. Okay, I can go along with that. And then until we get another drink, and then we'll rename another drink. We'll name, re rename this something else and we'll call that the fastball special we want a new fastball special every episode oh my god oh i think i just jinxed this now that i asked for it it's not going to happen yeah i don't know if my liquor bill could handle such a i would have to have a very large cabinet full of boozes but then i suppose i could invite all my friends over and they'd be like yeah can you make a tequila sunrise and i'd be like no but i can make a gentleman bub <laughs> I am going to go to a bar at some point and ask for a fastball special. And then when the bartender looks at me and says, what? I'll explain to him, oh, it's uh, two shots of vodka, one shot of Canadian whiskey, and uh, soda to fill it up. And he'll be like, is that a real drink? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah. You never heard of a fastball special? Tell your friends. He'll be like, yeah, it's on the internet. Google it. Hello. <laughs> 
So there you go, everybody. Uh, thank you, Peter Watson, for yours. And this is certainly not to diminish the efforts of Michelle Mohan, because that's also a uh, good drink. And Peter also, he said uh, this was a tasty. Michelle's was a tasty drink. But he, he thought it could be just a little bit more representative of the fastball special. So here we go. Here it is. I'm, I'm going to keep drinking both of them. I got the ingredients, so <laughs> I'm going to become an alcoholic. This booze can't <laughs> drink itself. Yeah. <laughs> I bought the liquor. No, Somebody's got to drink it. All right, then. So uh, we got some other letters, and we'll hit those uh, nor, nor, uh, more towards the proper portion of the show. But for now, yes, let's back to our show in progress. Let's hit it. Uh, we are here to discuss the uh, April 1979 issue of Uncanny X-Men, which was on sale January 16th of 1979. This is issue 120, titled Wanted, Wolverine, Dead or Alive. Honestly, I think Chaos in Canada would have been a better title. Hey, there's Chaos in Canada, eh? <laughs> so it says the cover. I believe we've already had a Wanted Cyclops Dead or Alive title, so I don't know if this is referencing that or if just it happens to uh, who knows? be repetitive. So the cover of this shows a crashed airplane in the background with the X-Men running towards uh, a hangar or something. It's also very snowy out there. And in the shadows of this hangar are three people. One of them uh, kind of reminds me of Loki on the left there, but it's not. So it's Loki, it's Chewbacca, and Lex Luthor. <laughs> a very short Lex Luthor in the in the very most foreground. Or maybe it's Professor X. He's back from space. They're about to be re reunited. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, so let's let's get right into this issue. You met here. up with Chewbacca. I think we need to tell our own story. <laughs> get me a couple more fastball specials, and I will be. <laughs> All right. So this is our uh, Chris Claremont and John Byrne as author, co-plotter slash penciler with Terry Austin inking, Tan Orzechowski lettering, Glynis Ween coloring, Roger Stern editing, and Jim Shooter editing as well, but in chief. Oh. So uh, we flip our attention from the Mandroid battle of last issue over to the war room of the Canadian Ministry of Defense in Ottawa, eh? Yeah. And there's a creepy-looking businessman or something who's got like He's a... the prime minister. Oh, is it? Uh-huh. This is uh, Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau. Is he a real prime minister? He's a real prime minister. Oh. This is not a very flattering depiction of him. He's got like a pink corsage and everything. I'm not sure what's... Uh, you know what? If you go to um, Wikipedia, he yeah. does have a corsage. It's it's red. I imagine it's that's probably a pretty accurate depiction. They're like, oh, the only way we're going to recognize Prime Minister Pierre, whatever you just said, is by his red corsage. Yeah, so... So well, that's interesting. He was uh, he's he's in charge of the Liberal Party. Oh, those dirty liberals. Didn't say anything about the corsage, but I didn't really read the article. <laughs> I just looked at the picture. 
So anyways, there he is, uh, and he is very upset that the Weapon X, codenamed Wolverine, is not in Canada. And he's wondering, who are those other people that he's fighting with? Referring to a recapped fight with the Mandroids. They're called the X-Men, eh, Prime Minister? Oh, you've been working on it, haven't you? <laughs> that was a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pick up the Bob and Doug McKenzie Christmas album? I, I did. I've been studying it religiously, eh? Because <laughs> actually, I just went to an antique shop the other day, and they had it there, mint condition, maybe near mint, just a couple of little defects, a dollar, so I had to buy it. Is it good? You've never hey, heard it? I've, I, I'm not a, like a... Oh, my God. I know who Bob and Doug McKenzie are, and for that, you are lucky. <laughs> All right, Adam. Before I get rid of it, I'll have to figure out a way to make it into MP3s for you to listen to. <laughs> oh, joy. Anyways, so uh, Vindicator here, he is talking about how these uh, people are mutants. They're so-called superheroes, and they have the Wolverine. And we also think they're mutants. Yes. But we don't know very much beyond that. And there's a possible connection to the uh, U.S. government. Oh, that would be via, uh, what's his face? Professor X. Well, and uh, Fred Duncan. And uh, maybe... Maybe Amos maybe Duncan. Maybe a connection too. to S.H.I.E.L.D. Do they have a connection to S.H.I.E.L.D. right now? I don't know. They have a connection to Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, but that's the Japanese government. I don't know. <laughs> All right. They have, they have connections to the government. Um, yeah. So anyway, so we move on, and uh, the prime minister here, he does not care at all about that. He just wants Weapon X back because they spent a lot of money and resources developing and training him. Not to mention your group as well. I won't see it thrown away. No way. No. Chris Claremont has been watching the $6 million man. <laughs> we can rebuild him. And uh, so he wants to send Vindicator out again to get Wolverine. I realize that Prime Minister, but Wolverine resigned, eh? Uh, then he can simply unresign Dr. Hudson, you understand? So this is where we basically get the introduction to the rest of Alpha Flight. I believe in the issue that we had read previously, we had heard mention of Alpha Flight, but we didn't necessarily know what it is. What is he pulling out or putting into the computer? Is, are those like a, like a stack of punch cards? They are. Or is, or is that like a uh, some sort of cartridge? I'm not sure what Chris Claremont and John Byrne intended them to be, but they definitely look like a pile of punch cards that they're putting into their, their giant mainframe computer. And what does the big letter A signify? Alpha. It's the alpha mainframe. So when the caption says A button is pushed, they're, they're <laughs> quite literal. They're pushing the A button. A button is pushed. <laughs> Here's my stack of cards, A. Eh? Let's push the button. <laughs> And this is where we get introduced to North Star, who's ironically surrounded by beautiful women. He's not gay yet. Oh, that's right. You're right. I, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he is gay, but he's just in the closet. I mean, Adam, he just doesn't well, decide to be gay one day. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that the character is not gay. I'm saying I suspect in the comic book world they don't realize he's gay yet. I, I would agree with that. We also get our introduction to the Shaman who is on the Sarki Reserve. I guess that's probably like a reservation. Probably. I guess so. We get introduced to Snowbird, 
and mm-hmm. Sasquatch. Sasquatch is a doctor, maybe? Not really sure. He's a former all-pro linebacker turned professor of biophysics at McGill University. Yeah. Uh, Snowbird, I guess we should mention, uh, she's a records officer. Which sounds like a terribly boring job. It's it's very exciting. And finally, uh, we get introduced to Jean Marie, uh, who is Aurora, who is also North Star's sister. She doesn't realize he's gay yet. Mm-mm. And that would bring uh, us to your lineup, your 1979, is it 1979? Lineup of Alpha Flight. Well, out of costume. Out of costume, right. Are these guys mutants or no? Or do we find that out? I don't remember. I believe they are mutants, uh, and I believe we do find that out. Okay. Meanwhile, half a world away in Japan, the X-Men are saying goodbye to everybody since they solved that mystery and, and did stuff, and they're tired, and they want to go home and remind the audience that they've been trying to get home since issue number 116. Sunfire and Cyclops are shaking hands, and it seems like they have uh, gotten rid of their bad blood, which I guess was only held by Sunfire. <laughs> but he says... Thank you for all the help you gave me in Japan. I was proud to fight by your side and would be honored to do so again. Farewell. It's like Sunfire settled down a little bit. Maybe he's been humbled by the fact that he needed... He's somewhat reluctant, but yeah, he gives in. He needed some outside assistance. He's like, yeah, fine. It would be an honor to fight again. Let's, let's not talk about this. <laughs> So uh, Cyclops agrees, the feeling's mutual, Shiro will remember you, come over and visit us sometime. You want to have a sleepover? We got Atari. We got a sleeping bag for you. <laughs> they move on with the niceties. Uh, the uh, dialogue balloon for Banshee indicates that he's whispering, so we know that there's still some residual damage to his vocal cords. Oh, th- I thought he was just being kind of a dick, so he was <laughs> keeping it hush, hush. But yeah, I guess you're right. Are you done with the ceremonies, are we, laddie? Can we just get out of here? I don't trust him. I don't like him. Here we are, Banshee, and about time, too. God, I'm slow. <laughs> Come on, people, let's board that plane. And that's when Nightcrawler... Cyclops, where's Wolverine? Well, it turns out that Wolverine is stalking Mariko. <laughs> <laughs> She's in a limousine outside of the airport when the... she gets a tap at the window... She's thinking to herself, I like the X-Men. I would have missed them, especially dot dot. She was about to say Cyclops. Someone outside, but who? I just caught that joke. A white chrysanthemum. Oh, and then she drops a little bit of Japanese on us and says, Just as pretty like that. Which they then translate for us. As what is this? Yeah, I don't know why they do that. I mean, are they trying to give us Japanese le- uh, lessons? Is that the whole deal here? No, because Japanese is a language of characters, and this translates the characters into English before it roughly translated into Japan. So this is like a uh, phonetic spelling of Japanese pronunciation. Yeah. Well, there's really no other way to do it, is there? I mean, us English or us American folks would have no idea what all these symbols were. And if you, it it was the weirdest thing, because if you like, in trying to figure out how to translate this, 
the question mark itself it, of what's this is the whole latter half of the sentence, desuka or deska. Hmm. So if you take that away, it's just kwarhanan, which also means what's this. Wow. But I guess it's uh, not a question anymore. You are learning some Japanese, Adam. I'll forget it by tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And it's uh, Wolverine, of course, and he's giving uh, her the gift. And he wants her to have a gift by which to remember him by. And so she says, it's very beautiful, Wolverine-san, and so are you. And I'm wondering, has she actually seen him without his uh, costume on? (laughs) No. Because I'm pretty sure the last time they, I mean, the first when they met, he had his costume on, and I think there was another encounter at the, at the end of last issue. He had his costume on. Well, he saw her leave, and he was thinking about her, and he was like, "I want to spend more time with her." Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then finally, he says, "Marikochan, my name, my name is Logan." <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, I guess, the payoff. There was some discussion over the Twitter and the Facebook about whether or not uh, him saying, telling Mariko his name was a big deal or not. And I guess this was the payoff of two issues ago where he didn't get to tell her his name, and now he finally does. We were waiting with anticipation. Will he get to tell her his name? And I think as you and I discussed, I mean, I think we both also agreed, or at least I did, that that him sharing his name, because as far as we know, he hasn't even shared his name yet with his own teammates. Well, as I explained on the Facebook, that was never my issue. My oh. issue was the fact that he doesn't get to actually say it. Mm. They cut it off mid-sentence, in which I feel like that was kind of pointless. But oh. nah, that's the clearly thing. it was setting this up, or maybe they didn't realize it was setting this up. But Oh, I think they did. What I find interesting about this sequence is that it's all translated from the Japanese, which they actually don't have a word box for, but it's in the little lines. Yep. But if you go back to her thoughts, they're not in Japanese because <laughs> they don't have the little lines, little brackets. Everybody knows that everybody thinks in English. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she speaks Japanese, it's also not in those little brackets, but then everything else is. So she basically repeats herself. What is this? What is this? <laughs> That's kind of a common trend, though, between our foreign language speakers is that they tend to say, like, phonetically or they say the words in whatever language that is, and then they repeat themselves by saying it in English, which... Well, right. But in this case, she's saying it again in Japanese. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Gotcha. Uh, well, anyway, so th- this last panel of Wolverine has got to be like his cheesiest car salesman smile I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just terrible. Like we were talking a, a bunch of episodes ago about our little uh, aluminum wall hangings with Wolverine flying across the the, the panel. Um, that's an awesome rendering of Wolverine. This would never be on one of those metal <laughs> uh, renderings to say Wolverine on the bottom because he just looks like, hey, come on in and buy a car. He's he's uh, running for political office here, <laughs> and just hey, remember, kids, I'm Wolverine. <laughs> Mayor Wolverine's the name. Lowering <laughs> taxes is the game. So, anyways, they take off. That's it. They're all they're all done with Japan. They're taking off, uh, heading back to New York, so they can finally warn the professor about Magneto. Right? Yeah, I <laughs> guess so. Sure, why not? Whose airplane are they on? Because this thing is amazing. 
Colleen Wing and Misty Knight have a lawyer named Jerwin Hogarth. Okay. It's his plane. Well, this thing has got like a coffee table and some couches and maybe a hat rack back there. I can't quite tell. It's his custom-built DC-10, and it has the H for his name, Hogarth. And uh, he's this is essentially what being a fancy pants rich person buys you. If you if you want to build your own plane, you get a nice fancy interior. It's amazing. Uh, so we see that Cyclops is snuggled up with, I think that's Colleen Wing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they have been talking together nonstop since they left Tokyo and she fell asleep in his arms. And this woman in blonde, I'm not sure if she's a stewardess or not, but she's like... She's a co-pilot. Co-pilot. Pity I have to break it up. Excuse me, Mr. Summers, your girlfriend called. She wants to know what the hell you're doing right now. <laughs> She think he thinks she's dead, and they haven't talked about it yet. I know. He feels he feels uncomfortable mentioning it. So she says, uh, "Could you come up? I think we have a problem." Uh, talking to Cyclops, and they get up there and they realize that uh, the forecast called for clear weather, uh, but now there's a freak blizzard and it shut down every airport west of the Rockies, and they've changed their course for San Francisco. And the storm uh, has apparently moved to cut them off. They vectored for Hawaii, and it closed in around us. It's as if the storm is guiding them somewhere. Storm says Rognus, and she tries to manipulate. Uh, storm tries to manipulate the weather with her powers, but she is unable to. the The storm resists her. Some outside force and intelligent controls it, and the pilot freaks out. Make her stop, Summers. She's causing the plane to go all shaky. For the love of heaven, Summers, no more! She's a very uh, excited um, pilot there. Well, the 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 plane is tearing apart. Nah. <laughs> it's the X-Men at this point. Come on. Um, the hours pass, the world around the DC-10 reduced to a horizonless cocoon of clouds. So there's basically a funnel of weather that they're flying in the middle of, which is basically directing them to the province, the province of Alberta, eh? They have no choice. They either land in Calgary or they crash. For some reason, um, Storm says, Wolverine's here, Scott. Shall I wake the others? Because <laughs> Scott is focused on the front of the window, and he doesn't like to be surprised. <laughs> oh, Wolverine's here. Well, now now we're going to start figuring some things out. Wolverine, why didn't you tell me Wolverine was here, Storm? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I thought I was still in charge of this team. If you think you can do a better job, then maybe you should. So, but uh, Cyclops basically says, "No, let's let them rest because they're going to need it because we don't know what's ha having or what we don't know what's going to happen next." And at this point, he wants to see what's going on. Yep, and also to add some uh, sense of immediacy to this caper, uh, the airplane is running out of gas. So, boom. Oh yeah, so they have no choice. No. Cut to the uh, air tower where Jim Shooter is. Clearing the plane to land. What is, isn't it? That's not what Jim Shooter looks like, is it? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but there's a uh, uh, an, a one of those tower guys and his uh, 
little badge on his shirt says shooter on it. Pew, pew. Walt, tell that special operations team that their regions or that their pigeons are on final. Is that Walt Simonson or Simonson? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> so they're being set up. Clearly, somebody, somebody, some special operations team is having them uh, meet them at. They're taken to a, a taxi route that takes us about as far away from the terminal as they can get. And suddenly there is a man on the tarmac. And that's when Cyclops says, Now, Storm, wake everybody up. So now they've gotten every ounce of sleep they possibly could have gotten, and now it's time to spring into action. Oh, I wanted to point something out. Um, when Storm tries to manipulate and control the storm, mm-hmm. her robe flies open, and she gives Cyclops like an eyeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. she is essentially naked <laughs> underneath this robe of hers. She it totally is. So. No, it wouldn't appear so. It is. Because this is Storm, right? And of course, Storm, if given her druthers, would either sleep or swim completely naked. And the only reason that she is wearing a robe is because of the American tradition. And so she comes up with this robe. And underneath it, she's totally naked. That's, I mean, that's how. And she flings it open, and Cyclops is like, whoa! She <laughs> never did anything like this. You want to go steady? <laughs> and the guy on the tarmac says hey wolverine you know who this is and you know why i'm here surrender now not like uh you didn't defeat me last time but that's not gonna happen this time eh hey we're gonna go down for some molson and have a good time and talk about this eh we put a lot of money into you yo hoser isn't this the character who attacked you last summer so it's been a year since uh that that happened yeah Wolverine pops his claws. Snick it. Stay out of this, bub. It's my fight. That's kind of impractical. They're on a plane. Yeah, what's he going to do? Are they just going to drop Wolverine off? Go get him. Uh, we're going to head back home. If I was Cyclops at this point, I'd totally be like, look, I don't know why the fates are conspiring against us, but we got to get home. Wolverine, <laughs> you deal with this, and we'll send a car or something for you. So Cyclops immediately tries to get the plane uh, pilots to pull away, but they can't. She's got the engines at full throttle, but they're standing still. And I guess I, I guess Storm woke up the rest of the X-Men. They're all coming from different impressive rooms. This plane is quite amazing. So we it's got interesting. Banshee sleeps in pants and a shirt. Cy- uh, Colossus sleeps in a robe like Storm, and uh, Nightcrawler sleeps in his costume. Nightcrawler, I'm convinced at this point uh, that Nightcrawler, that's not a costume, that's just his skin. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) They really do not want to possibly draw Nightcrawler wearing anything else. They're like, if we put clothes on him, then he's not Nightcrawler. And Plus, look at him, he's a freak. He doesn't want to wear clothes. He happens to look out the window. My God. And he sees, I like this shot. It's it's a silhouette of some sort of beast grabbing onto the the wing of the plane and apparently stopping it with both hands, with his bare hands, rather. Of course, the only thing I can think of is William Shatner looking out exactly. the passenger window and seeing the gremlin or whatever it was in the wing. But this is underneath the wing, but still. 
everything's framed up just perfectly for him to be like, oh my God, I'm in that episode. <laughs> uh, but what it turns out to be is, well, it's a pair of orange Wookiee-like arms uh, holding a 250-ton aircraft um, that is putting off 150,000 pounds of thrust. So this guy, who also doesn't not only stop it, but then throws the airplane backwards, he's really strong. Yeah, and he throws it into a hangar, which uh, the plane and the hangar both explode. And uh, Vindicator, who we now know is the uh, Captain Maple Leaf, the, the guy that was on the uh, runway, yep, says, Sasquatch, you incredible lummox. I told you to stop that plane, not smash it, eh? <laughs> Sorry about that, Vindicator. I guess I still don't know my own strength, eh? So the quest for sure. So this is... I thought only the Hulk was capable of stunts like that. So that that does beg two questions. A, uh, is Sasquatch a mutant, or is his like biological research like uh, some way responsible for his Sasquatchness? And B, is he as strong as the Hulk? Well, I'm sure we'll find out. Well, we may not find out on this podcast, but I'm sure <laughs> Marvel fans will find out because I, I guarantee Sasquatch and Hulk are going to fight at some point. Think so? Yeah, Probably in the pages of Alpha Flight. That makes I sense. I don't feel like Alpha Flight ever really got a chance to shine in the Marvel Universe proper. Uh, yeah, no, but they made it uh, uh, into triple-digit issues, if I recall correctly. Really? I th- well, maybe not. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like they Where's had... Puck? <laughs> I feel like they had a pretty good run. Anyways, so yeah, he destroys that airplane and a hangar behind it. So this is... In my opinion, not a great uh, 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 debut for Alpha Flight. No, and um, this is a, a common theme that Vindicator, or what is his name, Hudson? James uh, Hudson? James Hudson, is, yep. uh, is berating his leadership skills. He says, I, Lord, I hope nobody's hurt. Alpha Flight's going to be in trouble enough over this mess as it is. What the? It's impossible. The plane's empty. Eh? <laughs> Oh, no, that's hey. Sorry. (laughs) And uh, he also notices that the storm has doubled in intensity, so uh, he runs over to Shaman. And, I mean, if you're a native Canadian or a, hmm, how do I say this, the counterpart of a Native American but in Canada, do you have a Canadian accent or do you have an Indian accent? I mean a Native American counterpart in Canada accent. Maybe you have both. This is not my doing, eh, Indicator? <laughs> That's bad, Adam. <laughs> it's, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> One of the X-Men must have his powers over elements, eh? <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, Storm and Shaman are basically battling weather elements at this point. And it seemed as though Shaman was more powerful at first, but now Storm is more powerful. Uh, it seems like Shaman cast a weather spell. So he doesn't have control over the weather. He just casts spells. Yes. And so Storm has dropped uh, in like some fog here so that they can, uh, or basically a, a low hanging storm so that everybody can slip away. And at this point, um, I believe on the left side of this bottom panel, it is actually Nightcrawler in a trench coat and a hat. So he's actually wearing oh, plain yeah. clothes. Wow. So he must not have his uh, image inducer. That can't be Nightcrawler. He doesn't wear clothes. <laughs> He's crawling on all fours. That's somebody else. That's a steward. 
Not to mention the next time we see Nightcrawler, he's not wearing these clothes anymore. <laughs> so is that Misty Knight over there on the right-hand side of the panel? Yep. Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, Cyclops, so, Pilot, Other Pilot, Storm, when, Banshee, Colossus, Wolverine, Nightcrawler. When Cyclops is cuddling up with Colleen, wouldn't Misty at some point just be like, I got to get my girls back and be like, hey, Scott, you talked to Jean recently? <laughs> Not to be like your girlfriend or the person that you've known ever since you were 16, but you talked to Jean lately, and that's when Cyclops could be like, oh, oh, and he could start crying and do that whole thing, and then or then uh, Misty be like, what, are, you, are you mad because she went on vacation without you? What, what's going on? <laughs> like, I mean, they were on an airplane. Colleen was sleeping against him, so there was downtime. Well, she went to bed early and didn't see any of that happen. <laughs> she just saw them talking. She went to bed before cuddle time? Yeah. Yeah, all right, fine. They weren't cuddling. They. She just fell asleep on his shoulder. Yeah, well, his arm... Technically, like a... it wasn't cuddling. He his... was just making himself as comfortable as possible. His arm was around her. It's, it, it's what you do. Yeah. All right, so anyways, the X-Men slip away, and they head towards the... Uh, the airport proper. This is definitely not a post nine 11 world because think about it. They're at an airport and an airplane just got thrown into a hangar and both of them exploded. And yet the airport is just bustling. Nothing shut down. There's not security running around. Everybody's just getting ready to board their next flight. Well, they, you know, know that something's happening and it's far enough away, presumably that nobody at the airport realizes it. Probably the uh, the air control people realize it, but they're like, oh, those government people, they're going to have to pay for that. <laughs> so, Gee whiz. Gee whiz, eh? There's a lot of goings on happening over there, eh? So it's at this point that uh, they're escaping and making their way into the airport that we get a little bit of backstory about uh, Major Maple Leaf being Vindicator or Jimmy Hudson and what happened on their last encounter. We get a little uh, back and forth from Cyclops first where he says, Who are they and why are they after you? I told you, bub, it's my fight. Not anymore, bub. Ooh. Um, and then he later says, I'm waiting, Wolverine. I heard you. They ain't villains, folks. Yep. They're what I used to be, Canadian government agents. Everybody laughs. <laughs> what? <laughs> where did that come? That, that kind of came out of left field. You mean like... You mean like Mounties? <laughs> so the question I have is, as we progress in future Wolverine lore, does this fit in anywhere? Uh, Yeah. Does it? Yeah. Okay, because I go to that whole Barry Windsor Smith Weapon X story, and it doesn't seem to fit here. No, it's <laughs> it's a little more, yeah, that that doesn't fit here. Um. The the backstory that we'll have at some point is that James and Heather Hudson, as they did in Wolverine's Origins movie, oh. um, take him take him in and get him involved and start to be a, becoming a Canadian agent. I believe the Barry Windsor Smith stuff happened before that, and he already had the adamantium skeleton and all that stuff. In X Men Origins Wolverine, the two people that took him in were their names James and Heather. I don't think so. Oh, okay, I was going to say, like, that would have been something. I guess I wasn't paying that close of attention because I thought I would have caught that. 
should also point out that Terry Austin is in this panel with a small piece of paper saying, Terry, ink this now, sterno. That's funny. And I think that's Dave Cockrum. In the foreground? Yeah. Mm. Hitting on Glennis Ween. I was reading that uh, Dave Cockrum and that's Bonnie Wilford. Okay. With Terry Austin in the background. But I don't know that for sure. I just know that's definitely Terry Austin, but I know that Dave Cockrum and Bonnie Wilford are in this issue, but I'm just guessing that's them. Okay. Um, so Wolverine continues to go on and talk about uh, James Hudson being kind of like Professor X finding mutants for his super team. That's how he found Wolverine. And that he was a guinea pig, or he was James's guinea pig. He was his first big success and his only failure. Right. He took in the uncontrollable psycho and attempted to make a Canadian soldier-slash-government agent out of him. And uh, Wolverine was, I don't know, he ran away. He turned out to be psycho. Funny, I thought I resigned. My mistake. I was operational when Hudson gathered the rest of Alpha Flight. Outside of him, I don't know who we're up against or how many. I'm not sure how I know they're called Alpha Flight. <laughs> but intuition, I guess. Cyclops has the brilliant plan of splitting up. And so split up they do. They start with Nightcrawler, who teleports into a back alley. Who apparently cannot teleport his clothes. No. Just that costume. And he's looking around. He's like, oh, this is Calgary. How nice. But who cares? He's he's enjoying the fact that he's in a city, I guess, because they've been running so much. And he hasn't felt this way since Vinzeldorf. Where he was chased. That was that was his first appearance in Giant Size X Men number one. He also comments that his uh, he's testing the limits of his power, and he made it to Calgary from the airport in three jumps. So he did seven miles in three jumps. That's pretty good. Yeah. So that's teleporting a little over two miles each hop. So that means that he can see approximately. Two and a third miles away. On a clear day, I could see that, but we've already established here that it's very snowy. There's crazy weather patterns caused by mutants and uh, spell-casting shamans. So maybe he also has heightened eyesight as well. I suppose he could. Who knows? But not for long as he gets enveloped by pure elemental light and shouts, My eyes! (laughs) My deadly eyes! Oh, wait, wrong character. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and we know that this is Aurora and North Star, but for some reason they never show us their heads, just their feet. Right. He is uncomfortable. Well, they haven't introduced them yet. It's it's slow build up. Yeah, I suppose. But earlier we got the introduction of Jean Pierre and Marie Jeannie. But we don't know that this is them. We don't know who is who yet. That's a fair enough, but this I mean, character. We can pretty much assume that Shaman is the Indian guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. But the character on the left says he is unconscious, sister. One down, five to go, eh? But you hit him very hard, brother. I oh, hope no, he isn't hurt, Oh, no, they're not eh? Canadian. They're French Canadian. Yeah, they still do the A thing. They've been naturalized long enough that. But you have to mix in some French in there. Oh. You got to get some Kissar. <laughs> You, I can't do it. <laughs> I know you can't. I can't either. <laughs> that's way too much uh, uh, gymnastics for my tongue there. 
Interestingly, the this is being translated from something, but this does not reveal what it's being translated from. I would imagine Fran, uh, French, right? Yes, it, uh, it is French. Yeah. Canada and, and some of those snobby people that, that refuse to speak English to us English speakers. I've been there. I know. Maybe it's translating from Canadian. <laughs> that very well. These guys be. have such a thick Canadian accent <laughs> that you can't understand what they're saying. I, I can't hear what words they're saying. All I can hear is A every second word. <laughs> so anyways, they uh, the rest of the X-Men. So it was basically like most of the X-Men, and then they sent off Nightcrawler and Wolverine. Because that's essentially <laughs> what the, the split-up meant, right? Storm and Banshee and Colleen Wing are together. Wolverine is alone. Nightcrawler is alone. And then... Cyclops and Misty Knight and Colossus are together? I guess so, yeah. So, so. kind of weird. So basically what you're saying is that they would sound like, eh, 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 to our ears. <laughs> Pretty much. And really what they're saying is, uh, there's a Tim Hortons over here. Would you like some coffee and a Timbit? <laughs> and so Banshee, he, despite his vocal cord issues, is in a clothing store smoking a pipe. Don't you think that that's a terrible idea? Um... Well, we don't know. It could be a bubble pipe. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but in the next panel, there's clearly smoke coming out of his mouth. That's the 70s. There were no no smoking laws. Uh, you skipped over the Cyclops bit where he's there. The uh, Cyclops and the two pilots who are still with him for some reason and Misty Knight and Colossus have reached the rendezvous point, but no one else has. And Colossus says... There is no sign of Kurt. Why is he worried about Kurt? As Cyclops points out, or Banshee, or Storm, or Wolverine. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's because Kurt was just knocked out. That's why. <laughs> Newfound feelings on the airplane when they were in their really nice bedrooms. <laughs> Where is Kurt? Uh, relax, says um, Misty Knight. Scott, we made pretty good time. Maybe the others just got held up. All right. So then we cut to Smoking Banshee. Yeah. And he's talking about, uh, yeah, some of the girls are shopping, I guess. Well, they decided that Aurora stands out in a crowd and that they should go shopping for something to help her blend in. Something that would have probably helped Nightcrawler <laughs> had he kept his jacket. Yeah. They're worried about the black lady with the white hair, but the demon with the tail who's blue, they're like, what, would you? Just teleport in the alleyway. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Nobody will recognize you. So, yeah, Banshee is the only lucky one here because he gets treated to the um, fashion show. He, uh, he he starts thinking about retiring and that he the doctor said, the doc in Japan said it would be a while before he could scream again, if ever. And he starts thinking about himself as... Only Sean Cassidy and his lady. Yeah, probably referring back to Moira McTaggart. So at this point, I guess Moira would think that Banshee is dead. So it's reasonable to believe that Moira may have moved on with her life. Yeah, unless Jean and Moira aren't talking to each other either, which who knows. (laughs) And seriously, at this point, can't somebody pick up a phone and call somebody? Well, they did try. I mean, they did try to call. Well, when we last left From the Japan. when we last when we left the last issue, uh, Banshee was like, "Oh, I should call Moira," and Moira was like, 
well, we're going to do all these things, and we're going to go back to Muir Island. So, like, bah, whatever. I guess he didn't call Muir Island. <laughs> yeah, got Maybe he called the wrong island. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Storm is feeling all smothered in all this clothing because she's African and she likes to hang around naked. And Sean agrees. <laughs> I mean, it's a grand outfit, but on Aurora it looks, I don't know, I guess I'm used to seeing her in the wild. Like earlier on that plane. Or in the Savage Land, or just about anywhere else. And so, enough of the fashion show. Oh, well, back to the fitting room, says Colleen. We flip to... At this point, isn't Colleen talking to Storm like, Isn't Cyclops dreamy? I don't know. (laughs) You know, I, I doubt it. It just feels like there'd be some more drama or something going on here and... Anyways, who cares? Uh, so we flip over to Vindicator. Vindicator has comments that his scanner system mutant detection has worked. It's it's reactivated, and they have tracked these three mutants to the mall and realizes, and he burns a hole in the, the ceiling of the mall. That looks like damaging. Yeah, the Canadian government's got deep pockets. Kelly, look out. Johnny, what is it? Dumb move, Hud- dumb move, Hudson. I probably scared those kids half to death. This isn't New York. People aren't used to seeing super types, eh? There's the focal point of contact. A boutique? Eh. Banshee sees the Vindicator and immediately reacts. You, the spalling who nearly murdered Moiru McTaggart, and he attempts to scream, but as he just mentioned, he can't scream, and he ends up making a horrible guttural yarg and dropping to the floor. It looks like he's smashing his head into the floor. It does. And James is like, what happened, eh? He started to scream, then doubled over in agony. What a pathetic superhero, eh? <laughs> he goes to phone for a doctor. Easy, Ben. He's all right. And that's when Storm bursts on the scene. You know what I mean? Passed him up, pursuing on the dope scene. If there was a problem, <laughs> yo, Storm will solve it. Oh, right, stop. Uh, she looks pretty tough, and I like the, I like this. Uh, it's kind of a kick butt outfit. Uh, Colleen also kind of looks kick butt as well. I mean, they're both in in action poses, ready to ready to start fighting. Yeah, but this is like Storm's got her special new outfit that she's trying out on, and it's a different look for Storm. Yes, I could care less about Colleen. That's all. Well, right. And and she knocks Vindicator back through the store, through the mall. With a mighty shaboom, and the poor owner of the store says, Miss Aurora, please stop it. You're wrecking my store. <laughs> the Canadian are always so polite. <laughs> stop it, oh, Abe. my poor store. My merchandise, it's all wet, eh? Could you please stop? <laughs> I feel terrible for this lady. We never see her again. No. Well, she's back there. Oh, my poor store, eh? All right, but after that. Oh, then she's mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Uh, Banshee's back up. He's like, uh, let's let uh, Hudson go that they've got to warn Scott and the others. He's whispering now and, and clutching his throat. So he's definitely hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, uh, Vindicator's like, ugh, so much for my macho pride, eh? 
No way I can handle that woman alone. So basically, he just goes from <laughs> fight to fight running away. <laughs> Some superhero and team leader I'm turning out to be. Perhaps Heather was right. I'm just not cut out for this kind of life. And that's when my Canadian accent slips into a Scottish accent. So Heather Hudson is not yet a member of Alpha Flight. Is that correct? Or is she Snowbird? I don't think she ever is a member of... I think she was like an advisor to Alpha Flight. No, she... And she... I don't think she has superpowers. I think she... I recall her in a costume very similar to Vindicator's, but with some stupid sunglasses. If you say so. Yeah, but that might be later in Alpha Flight's career. I never wanted the job in the first place. From the beginning, I meant it for Wolverine, eh? Yeah, so then uh, they see an energy trail, and Cyclops recognizes it as Major Maple Leafs. And... Oh, Colossus says Gosboden. I didn't. I missed that one. Oh, well. <laughs> Next time, folks, you'll get to hear what Gosboden means. And Cyclops says that he's made one vital mistake, and that is underestimating their foe. Hudson works with mutants. It stands to reason that he might have some sort of sensor or a device akin to Cerebro. I assumed we were safe. And instead, I've made us more vulnerable than ever. No. If you say so, Cyclops. And that's when Wolverine is walking down the road and he's like, dumb things never change. All them big shiny skyscrapers can't hide the poverty. They just make it harder to find. It's been a long time. I wonder if Cracklin Rosa still runs her social club. That's important. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I was a kid back then, and she was my kind of woman. So where do I get off falling for a lady like Mariko Yashida? Love, who needs it? Me. <laughs> and uh, that's when Meatloaf comes out and starts singing Love Stinks. <laughs> no, uh, Sasquatch grabs his head and he starts smashing Wolverine back and forth between the alley, between brick walls. Captain Logan, you've put me and my friends to a lot of trouble tonight. Now you're going to come along quietly or do I have to get rough? Eh. And he gets and rough. Knocks him out and carts him away. Good thing. Pleasant dreams, eh? Pleasant dreams. And so we're left with Banshee, who's wounded, uh, Cyclops, Storm, I believe that is, and Colossus. I think that's Misty Knight. Is it well, Misty? Maybe it is Storm. I guess she went back to her original outfit. It looks like the but... Storm cape there, so. Yeah, it is. It, in the next panel, it is. But she got a, a cap. Yeah, to cover her hair. <laughs> and uh, Colossus, who's been completely ineffective this entire issue, is also standing there. Uh, Colleen and Misty are phoning their lawyers, uh, or their lawyer, Jaron Hogarth, whose plane was just destroyed to get some legal help. But I'm not going to wait. Wolverine and Nightcrawler are still missing. We have to figure out that they, or we have to figure that they've been captured. The X-Men didn't start this, people. But we're sure as hell going to finish it if necessary over Alpha Flight's dead bodies. Next issue, shootout at the Stampede. What? What? <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, there you go. There is an issue of the X-Men featuring Alpha Flight. It um, was a good one. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it really kind of defied the whole convention of, of a comic book. You would assume that 
um, when the whole airplane thing happened, that's when Alpha Flight and X-Men would fight. But instead, we were left to kind of like get into that. It was it was kind of like a, a well-paced movie, right? Where you have a little bit of action, then some story, then a little bit of action, then some story, and then a big bout of action, and then a little bit more story. So and presumably next issue is going to be the knockdown, drag out actual fight. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. Or will they keep up the pacing? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I've never really been a huge Alpha Flight fan. So for me, it's kind of like meh, whatever. But story wise and like progress wise, it, it, it feels good. I like it. I have to wonder if we have Canadian fans out there, and I know we do because... <laughs> One of them gave us a recipe for a fastball special. And then she heard my accent and she's like, I'm never listening to this stupid show again. <laughs> Do Canadian fans actually um, like feel a sense of pride about Alpha Flight or do they connect to them more than, say, the X-Men? Or is that just something that Marvel was trying to develop that never really took off? Because I always felt like Alpha Flight was the second tier kind of superheroes that they they just seem like leftovers, and I don't know if if that is true or not. Well, there you go, Canadian listeners. Uh, write to us and tell us about your attachment or lack thereof to Alpha Flight. I'm just curious. Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, before we go into the classic X-Men portion, we, we did get some emails. I, I don't know if I've got them all, but i got a few. Uh, listeners, i got to apologize. If you're sending us emails, it, Adam and I today discovered that some of them are going into our spam boxes. So we're, we're trying to address that. So if you haven't heard, of, uh, heard from us either directly or via this podcast, uh, Adam, give us a shout on some other medium because it may have gone to our spam boxes. We have an email from Kyle Moyer. Kyle Moyer points out that uh, while he is still catching up on episodes, so he's a little bit uh, he's a little bit behind. So greetings from the future. He does point out that we've missed some changes in the classic X Men, which I can highly imagine because honestly, if it's not a uh, out and out change, I just don't pay attention. But he gives a couple of examples in X Men uh, number one hundred two. Juggernaut calls Storm a girl in a panel. And then in Classic X-Men, it was changed to Bimbo, which is funny because Bimbo, I think, is where I first learned the word Bimbo was basically from Claremont's run of the X-Men. Because basically every time a villain refers to one of the girls, they're always like, come here, you dumb Bimbo. So I guess Claremont was trying to make him more uh, offensive? I guess so. As a character? I think he may be just unifying Juggernaut's language because much later in uh, X-Men run, Juggernaut will fight the X-Men and he'll refer to some of the lady X-Men as bimbos. So Hmm. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, In the next issue where Storm says it's a trap, it's changed to it is a trap. And that that makes sense because Storm is a, a much more proper person who would not use contraction. She would use proper English. So I'm sure there's a whole lot more like that. So, Kyle, thanks for listening, and thanks for pointing those out. Uh, We will not catch all of the changes in Classic X-Men. I can promise you that. Oh, guaranteed. (laughs) Uh, On the Facebook, we got a letter from David Steele. He says, hey, guys, congratulations on your 100th show. Thanks for the shout-out. God, I laughed. He's been listening since his pal Peter 
told him about the podcast. I believe that is Peter Watson who gave us the fastball special recipe. Yep. And um, he is starting to re-listen to the early episodes. He just bought some masterworks of the Stan and Jack issues, and he's looking forward to the 200th episode. Episode. Oh my God! Okay. That's what a fastball special will do to you as well. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, Peter Watson also sent us a uh, picture, uh, a um, Super Team Family cover, a dream crossover between the Legion of Superheroes and the X-Men. You can uh, check that out on the Facebook page. What about this one from Josh Courier? What does it say? Hey guys, I enjoy the podcast. Really helps me get through the day at work. Imagine my surprise when I heard my name on episode 100. I pooped a little. <laughs> I do that every time I do the podcast. <laughs> it's just one continuous poop stream here. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> it's just what I do. Uh, that's why we read your names, because hopefully we can make you poop. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That's our goal. We're like ex-lax for the podcast uh, community. So I don't know if you caught it earlier, but uh, we did say, we did send out a shout out to David Steele saying, oh my God, okay, which comes from Gary Roy. And apparently, David, you're supposed to lose your shit and Gary will now be your favorite guy ever. I'm glad we could make that happen. Yes. I hope I wasn't supposed to say it with an accent. Maybe you should say it with a Canadian accent. Oh, my God, okay. Okay. <clears throat> oh, my God, okay, eh? <laughs> no iTunes this week. We're still at 46, which is a solid number. So if you would like to uh, join in on the fun, feel free to email us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com or you can visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com. Post a comment in one of the uh, episode, uh, your favorite episode or whatever the current episode is, uh, letting us know what you think. Or you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash dangerroompodcast. Post a picture, post comments, post us a fastball special recipe, whatever you want. Uh, or you can follow us at Danger Room Go. And if you are feeling like you want some extra credit, head out to the iTunes page by going into iTunes, searching for Danger Room or X-Men or Danger Room X-Men or some combination of that. You'll get to us and you can leave us a nice five-star review with some comments. And that would be cool. The coolest. And so, without further ado, let's get to the part that you've all been waiting for, and that is Classic X-Men number 26. Yes, it's true. Yes. We got a cover by Gamil and Austin, Carrie Gamil and Terry Austin. Art Adams is apparently on strike. <laughs> And it's it's the most misleading cover ever. It says, and now, Sasquatch. <laughs> and we see a giant arm holding Wolverine, which, you know, admittedly did happen in the issue, but that was like three panels. Yeah. I wouldn't say, and now, Sasquatch. I mean, this is not a Sasquatch episode, or issue, rather. But as far as covers go, it's not a bad one. I like it. Oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. I like all the little hash marks and the... I don't know, the grittiness of all the detail that they got going on here. So it's a good cover. 
And then inside we get uh, basically a rendering of Storm in a different pose, but uh, it's the one that Adam was raving about earlier where she's getting ready to kick some ass. Uh, but somehow she just doesn't look as good as she did in the uh, original as she does. Or, it's not as good a drawing, I guess. Yes, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. And it uh, looks like the backup story here is actually written and lettered by Tom Orzachowski. That's a weird combination. Well, he's the letterer. He is, and he's also the writer. And now he's the writer. I don't know. You don't really see too many letterers going to the to the writing uh, helm in comic books. You know, seems like know. seems like once you're a letterer, you're just kind of like locked into that, like just doomed to letter comic books for the rest of your life. Well, maybe that's what you're into. Hmm. And uh, John Bolton is doing uh, the art and coloring. So we cut to page three after we're introduced with uh, to the members of Alpha Flight. Uh, James Hudson is now sitting at a monitor looking at, I guess, like action poses of them all, saying, thinking that they're going to be here soon reflecting to himself that uh, this is not quite what we had in, he had in mind as a first mission, that they'd be going to rescue or uh, kidnap, I suppose, Wolverine. He thinks to himself, you and me, chum, me the brain boy, you the bruiser, we'd be the nucleus of a supergroup whose charter project would be to protect Canada, eh? <laughs> So that they wouldn't have to depend on foreign teams like the Avengers or S.H.I.E.L.D. National pride goeth before personal fall. And he calls Heather and says, hey, how's it going? And she's doing her corporate job. And he says, well, I unfortunately have to go get Logan. And uh, classic X-Men kind of, I don't know. They're 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 spilling Logan beans all over the place. Yeah, kind of. Um, Heather points out that even if they capture Wolverine, he'll just skip town again the first chance he gets. That's what I said. James implies. <laughs> I told him it's better to keep the X Men as our friends. We may need their help someday, eh? But he's adamant. And on the last panel, we see a lot of reel-to-reel tapes, which. To me, I guess, indicates that like the government is listening in on the conversation. It's a weird panel. That's my guess anyways. The next panel, or the next page, which is on page four, uh, is flipped over to Muir Island, Scotland, where Jean Grey is doing a run. She's running, and then she jumps across a lake, or I guess she flies across it, to the other side of Muir Isle where Moira is thinking about Sean out loud. Oh, Sean, my wild wailing banshee, Akushala. I'm sure that means something. Yeah, whatever that means. What the devil? Have I gone deaf? Do I work at a mutant research center and never have seen power signatures? What is going on? In fr- oh, it's just you, Phoenix. I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> You've a way less of making an entrance. The cold really doesn't bother you then. Not cold, nor rain, nor sleet, nor hail, nor gloom of night. I'd make a heck of a mailman. So, you know. They have a little conversation over some coffee. 
she doesn't need to eat. Uh, she only does because she it brings her back to her own humanity or something. She doesn't need to eat. She just likes the tastes and the sensations. So if she doesn't eat or drink, does she does she do the excreting of the the things? She poops flames. <laughs> she poops the phoenix effect. <laughs> I call myself human, but there are times, Moira, when I feel like I have more in common with them. Who's she referring to? The stars in the sky. The stars in the sky than other people. Yeah, so I guess they are talking about how Sean is dead and Scott is dead and they're both sad. Yeah, and I mean, that makes sense because neither of them would know any differently. And so, I mean, according to um, canon, Banshee hasn't called Moira yet or they haven't talked on the phone. So mm-hmm. this all works, I guess. It's just that they're not doing this in Canada <laughs> where it actually could matter. She lies down on the ground. Phoenix uh, gets into the fetal position and Moira comforts her. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And then we flip back to the original comic book. Um, I believe the last line of this is changed in addition to any other changes that may have been made. The last line. Oh, um, before that, we get a uh, where I mentioned that the the uh, snowbird and North Star. Or is it Aurora? I don't remember. It's Aurora. Um, it now says translated from the French. Ah, it's it's Aurora and North Star. I don't. Snowbird has not been in this issue yet, other than her little introduction panel. Okay. And Cyclops at the end says, "The X Men didn't start this fight, people, but we sure as blazes gonna finish it." Oh, but not only that, but then he goes on to say, "If necessary, over Alpha flights." Bodies. Oh, he doesn't even say dead bodies. Wow, I didn't even notice that. Just over their bodies. Just over their bodies. That's hilarious. So that takes us to the backup story. And I got to be honest, this is, uh, I like this backup story. It's cute. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's stupid. You like the wacky John Bolton art? I do. So John Bolton, uh, he draws a very cartoony flashback uh, sequence in which 20 years ago, Wolverine was at the woman's Lady, what's-her-face? Uh, Rosa. Yeah, Lady Rosa. So whatever, we're calling back to that one line and the, I was just a punk kid back then. But the weird thing is that in this issue, he doesn't look like a punk kid. He just looks like Wolverine. <laughs> which would be true, because 20 years ago, he <laughs> would be what? This Well, 212. <laughs> yeah, instead of 232, exactly. And so we find out that back in the day, 20 years ago, Wolverine was a, uh, he was a, what do you call that? He was a, he, he was a ringer. He was a ringer. Thank you. Very good. He was a ringer for um, arm wrestling. Cracklin Rosie hired him on at her bar because of his healing factor. He doesn't get drunk. So he could uh, be in, you know, remember Raider of the Lost Ark? Yep. They're having those drinking contests. Absolutely. He could be a ringer in one of those. Right. He would even be able to take out Marion. Yeah. So it, would, it turns out that um, we don't quite know exactly. I, I would imagine that this uh, takes place 
maybe shortly after the Alpha Flight issue, uh, but I'm not sure. But they're in a pub called Harry's Hideout. Oh, yeah, spoilers. They make it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't die in Canada. Uh, and that's when Wolverine, they're all having some drinks, and Wolverine's telling him about the the way things were 20 years ago. A different time of life when he met Jamie Hudson uh, before Jamie Hudson, before the hero business. Uh, he was Canadian intelligence. Uh, but they never knew about me and Cracklin Rosa. Ha ha. And so I guess the thing that I like about this artwork is that you go back and forth between this very simplistic, uh, liney, colory uh, cartoon drawing to this very articulate, uh, cross-hatch detail, um, like real-time imagery. So he's showing some diversity here, and I like it. In its day, it was the it, it ran the cheapest rooms and most watered-down drinks in town. Referring to the Hotel Saint Cecil. Uh, was it a whorehouse? I don't think so, but mm. uh, then that's Banshee steps, and I gather the ladies were there. There were cheap and the water down to match. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so Laddie? Wolverine can. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> no, I don't get it. <laughs> Could you spell it out? Could you be a little clearer, Bob? Uh, Wolverine continues telling him stories about his arm wrestling days. And it's at some point that uh, Banshee realizes that I know those guys, uh, Vince Borelli, who you were just yeah, talking what about. Is Wolverine's telling a story about how he was fighting, or he was arm wrestling with this guy named Lefty, who's mm-hmm. a big muscular dude, and uh, Lefty thinks that Wolverine's been served soda pop instead of alcohol yep. and that he's cheating and lefty has a buddy named turk and uh that's when banshee says lefty and turk i know them arrested their boss and that's when wolverine thinks well wait they didn't work for him except for that one time wait a minute blaze uh ah oh, blazes irish don't tell me you were behind that Idiot, that left me sore for days, as the story will prove not to really be true. (laughs) And so the story proceeds. Cyclops shows up, and he's like, oh, I want to hear story time as well. So he does. And I think one of the guys here, is it it just Colossus that's also there and not Nightcrawler? It's Kurt. Oh, is it Kurt with his image inducer? He refers to him as Kurt at some point. So it's Kurt with his image inducer. So... We already heard about how Wolverine ended up at Lady Rosa's, so then we get kind of a quick story as to how Banshee ends up at Lady Rosa's. Then we learn that Banshee uh, had a uh, deceased bride. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that either. He was burying himself in work trying to forget Maeve, his poor dead bride. Yeah. I have discreet hearing to balance me banshee screaming, you know. Tis handy talent for an Interpol man such as I was. Some bragging by a young jewel thief's young son about his father's travels led me to Canada for a rodeo, eh? The Calgary Stampede. And it's there that he, I don't know, is this where he meets Lefty and Turk? He follows this guy down who's going to deal with this uh, Vince Corelli or Vince Borelli guy 
follow, ends up following him to a bar, uh, the bar that Wolverine's at, where it turns out that Lefty and Turk are the bodyguards for this deal that's going down. And so on one side of the bar, Banshee's just kind of observing, trying to check out what's going on. And on the other side of the bar, there's all this commotion that Banshee can't quite see what's going on, but we know that Wolverine is in there instigating some arm wrestling shenanigans. Lefty goes to see what's going on and gets involved directly with Wolverine in an arm wrestling match which brings us up to speed with where we were. And uh, Banshee comments that, oh, you were giving me the diversion I needed, laddie. And uh, Turk, uh, well, Banshee tells Turk, hey, isn't that your pal getting punched out? And Turk goes over to see what's going on, and that's when Banshee springs the Canadian Mounties on the two who are doing some sort of diamond deal. And Vince Pirelli and Arsene are arrested. Meanwhile, Lefty and Turk are fighting Wolverine. And Wolverine takes them out. There were some odds going on. Lady Rosa was collecting some percentage or something. Who knows? Wolverine talks about how he uh, is kind of play fighting with this Lefty guy, trying to remember to be like, not knock, not knock him out, but make it look realistic. And, uh, and then eventually he does knock him out, and Banshee talks about how he learned to rely on other people for the first time and that being in a team wasn't so bad. And then they make a lame joke at the end. Cyclops says, I'm glad to see that a couple of guys who were such temperamental loners could grow into people I'm proud to call teammates. And Wolverine says, that I'd say there's hope for you too, Junior. And everybody laughs because that's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, so there was nothing in there that left Wolverine sore for days, but but whatever, you know. Maybe the punch that Wolverine gave to Lefty really, really hurt his hand. <laughs> Who knows? And it wasn't really Banshee's fault either. I mean, I guess he sent Turk over, so maybe. Yeah, that's about it. We get a nice uh, back page uh, image of sketchy Wolverine remembering in a word uh, or a... Uh, a thought balloon, uh, cartoony Wolverine fighting Lefty. Yeah, it's a cool image. So there you go. That's the backup story for this week. That's the backup story, eh? Yeah, yeah, eh? So Adam, have you done any additional reading? I have. Uh, quickly, I did Avengers one sixty one and one sixty two. Uh, some interesting things about one sixty one is that. Ant-Man gets brainwashed for some reason and thinks he's it's it's the first issue of Avengers. But more importantly, Wonder Man has a new costume and it was designed by Beast. Oh. <laughs> so apparently that's what he's doing nowadays. So he got tired of being knocked out all those times and now he's just like the uh the costume designer for the Avengers. Well, let me tell you, Beast appears on page 6 where he's reviewing old footage of the Avengers first meetings together. And then he promptly gets knocked out by Ant-Man. <laughs> As does Black Panther. Um, is the Wonder Man costume redesign, is that the costume that we all know and love? or no? Nope. Okay. It is a horrid green, yellow, and red thing. <laughs> it's no. It, it's not. Okay. 
Um, they all get attacked by ants, and uh, Scarlet Witch calls out for Pietro, even though he's not a member of the team, which, you know, makes sense, being her brother and all. I just thought it was kind of interesting. Do we have any idea where Pietro is? I, isn't, I think he's married to Crystal at this point. Oh, okay. Off in the moon. In human land. In human land, yeah, okay. Um, jumping ahead, uh, they managed to defuse the Ant-Man situation, and uh, Scarlet Witch says to Beast after he wakes up, Beast, why don't you drive Jan home to pick up some things to help Jogs Hank, to help jog Hank's memory? And he, Beast says, Aye, aye, your witch ship. Henry McCoy, the furry show furry, that's me. And that's when the Avengers get mad at him. <laughs> and Cap says, don't you ever quit clouding, Beast? And Iron Man says, Cap's right, McCoy. This isn't the time for your inane antics. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, no offense meant. I'm sorry, Jan. They all hate him. That's terrible. <laughs> and then Ultron shows up and um, Beast gets knocked, st- get, gets knocked out again by Ultron. Does Beast, do Beast and Scarlet Witch ever reminisce about the times when they were fighting one another? No, that would be a good scene, though. It would be. Uh, Scarlet Witch's power is very effective. Her random chaos works very well against Ultron, which might be a plot point of the next Avengers movie. Oh. Mm. Hmm. Nice. And uh, apparently uh, Ultron kills Cap and Vision and Beast. They, they, they're dead. Well, we know that's not true. We cut to Avengers 162, where now the rest of the Avengers think they're dead. And uh, they call all the other Avengers that are around, including Hawkeye, who is still hanging out with Two-Gun Kid, now in the present. And Two-Gun Kid refers to an old pal from back in 1873 named Boom Boom, which I thought was funny. Hmm. They don't get a hold of Hawkeye, so he can't join them. And Ultron's plot is to put uh, Jan's mind into uh, some sort of android that he has developed, and he kind of manages to do it. Uh, but they, the Avengers save the day, and Ultron reveals that he did not blast them with a death ray that, as everyone thought, it turned out it was just a 24-hour coma ray that does result in death if not reversed, but... I'm assuming they reverse it. Wow, those conditions were almost serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, they rescue Jan. She gets her body back, and this weird android is left. But the android is something that will reappear. Hmm. I recognize the android. It's, I forget what her name is, Jocasta or something like that. So that's it for my Avengers recap. There you have it. Yeah. How uh, uh, now? An hour and a half into your fastball special, how you feeling? I'm 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 feeling all right. Nice. I mean, you know, I'm not buzzing or anything. <laughs> you lush. <laughs> all right, so folks, uh, we look forward to your recipes and to your comments. Uh, but until next time, the danger room is closed. <laughs> 
a hard-working, dedicated, no holds barred, sleazebag bounty hunter. Relax. We need you. This is a flashpoint situation. I've been waiting to kill him for a long time. But this time, it's not business. Nikki. That bullseye's back. But you do what we're doing to a pal? Who the hell do you think you are? You can use me as bait. Rutger Hauer. Wanted. Dead or alive. You're losing your bait.